0: This is A is for Adversity, a podcast about curating your life stories to connect more deeply with others. Some stories may have Christian undertones and all stories will involve a realization or transformation of some sort. I'm your host, Jen Banks. This is episode P, Perspective of Blind Blogger Max Ivey on Storytelling. Hello, thank you for joining me on the podcast for my interview with Max Ivey. This interview was a little bit longer in nature, so without any further ado, we're just going to go right into it. Hello. Hello. Sorry about the delay. I have two little kids, so I was getting them all in order. I was looking a little bit at your blog last night, and I was intrigued because your most recent post was about storytelling, so that's really cool.
1: Yeah, I plan on doing more um, on on storytelling because it fits into the thing I do that pays the bills, which is helping people share their stories on you know podcasts and other platforms. So I feel like uh, it will help me show people that I know what I'm talking about when I tell them that people don't don't buy your products or your services; they buy your story. You know, they they don't book you; they book your story. So I feel like I just want to show them. To, I find that there's a lot of reluctance when it comes to telling our own stories, even to the, even now with COVID, with more people doing podcasts, with mm-hmm. more people leaving their jobs and doing other passion projects. There's yeah. still this reluctance to let people hear the whole story,
0: as it's Paul Harvey used to say. I talk a lot about vulnerability and storytelling and how that leads to connection, and that's really how you open up to another human. And so that's really neat that you're highlighting that. And so your first one was about things you may not be telling other people or things you've overlooked in storytelling and then right. you said this one about um kind of just telling your own story and why you should. Do you have other ideas of future?
1: Yeah, no, I've got a, I've got several of them. I actually what I did was I was in the middle of writing a blog post and I and I looked up and I'm like, you know, Max, you've got you've got five or six examples here. Why are you putting this out as one post when you mm. could just break it up and then you've got content already figured out for what you're going to write for the next few weeks. And so, True. and, and I do that to myself all the time. I love writing so much that I'll <laughs> find myself, I'll, I'll have a blog post. It'll be 1500, 2500 words or more. <laughs> and then I go, Max, nobody's going to read this, break <laughs> it up, you know? So Um, like another one I've got planned is I have this woman who's one of my clients. She's an author from Brazil and Mm -hmm. she had to face the real fear that her, if her writing became public, that people in her profession, because in Brazil, the legal profession is still a very male dominated, dominated, very male conservative Mm -hmm. oriented profession. Mm -hmm. And so she had to face the fear that she could cost herself her her career by following mm. this passion and she did it anyway. So that's what wow. well, that's one of the other things we're going to get, you know, that I'm going to get into when it comes to storytelling that if, if there's something that, that scared you, but you did it anyway, or you continue to do it anyway, that's a compelling story that you need. For to sure.
0: Telling. Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. Just
1: like with me, like with me, one of the reasons why I continue to, uh, to sing and to, to say yes. When hosts ask me if I'll sing, is because even now it still makes me nervous to do it, and mm-hmm. so it's one of those things I can do where I can show people, you know, that I'm not just I'm not just telling you to do something, even if it scares you. I'm doing something for myself, even though it scares me.
0: Right. Yes. Doing the hard thing. So, so I've got probably five or six, five or six ideas
1: so far, and I'm sure more will occur to me because that's one of those things I've always it's always puzzled me about bloggers that will complain about not having enough ideas for content. And mm-hmm. I can understand that being the case if you have an extremely narrow niche. Right. Where, but for the most part, if you don't have stuff to write about, it's because you have closed your eyes or your heart and you're not listening to what's going on around you because mm-hmm. I think you can take pretty much any niche and, If you sat down and thought, well, what's going on in my life? What's going on in the lives of people I know? What's going on in the world at large? And by the end of hour, you you should easily be able to come up with ten or or more ideas for things you could write about down the road.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, So I am kind of like you. I'm interested in so many different things, and so with my podcast, I just decided to have each season be a different theme so last season it was about living intentionally and then this season is about storytelling and then next season will be about <laughs> empowerment so it's okay. just yeah I just there's so many things that I love that it's true I, I have so much I want to talk about that I, I can't narrow it down yeah. and so um, yeah. it was cool I'm, that I found that with storytelling with you.
1: Well I'm glad it worked out for you and you know it's it's uh, wh- wh- you know speaking of having too much to think about or or, or to talk about um, I like to joke with people that the most dangerous thing you can do is write a book because once you get past all the BS of writing one book, then it's kind of hard, you know, not to find things that you can write about beyond that.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Just taking the first step. Yeah. So with my stories, I asked people to find a moment of realization or transformation. So was there one that came to mind when I asked you that question?
1: Well, I think the, the the biggest one is probably going to be when i uh when between when i finally realized that i was no, no longer going to be part of the of the carnival business right. and so you know you asked about was there a moment when i realized the uh the the change or that caused me to to go on a different path than what i was on and and that really happened in uh 2007 mm-hmm. when Uh, I had, uh, I grew up in a carnival business. All I ever wanted to do was be part of the family show and run the business with my family, which I was able to do for over 15 years alongside my dad and my brothers. Uh, my dad died of lung cancer in 2003 and we were able to keep the show going independently until, until 2006. Hmm. Uh, it was a difficult time for me because he was my best friend, my business Hmm. partner, and he was the only other one in our family who had aspirations for better instead of just wanting to maintain what we had. Mm. Uh, So really, I really missed him because it meant I was the only one who was actually trying to improve our business. And I was working with the, with the whole rest of the family that were like, no, let's just keep doing what we're doing and be happy with that. So
0: Mm.
1: we were able to stay independent for three years until our insurance got to the point we couldn't pay it. And we combined our rides with my uncle's carnival, Mm. Now we had competed very bitterly with my uncle's family over the years. So it was very disgusting to me to have to join up with his carnival more than once. I have told people, I'm like, okay, if we had to go out, why did we have to lose to them? You know? <laughs> there were several other carnivals in Texas we could have joined forces with, but it just happened to be that, you know, it was people I just really had never had a good feeling about growing up. So mm. Was, was on there midway for, for a year or so, and I could see that uh, they really didn't want us there, but they wanted our contracts. So, okay. uh, yeah, we were forced to sell what few rides we had left, and the one game I still had wasn't making any money in competition with their games. So I finally realized that I needed to, be, needed to start doing something different and mm-hmm. I had kind of put my toe in the water of helping other people sell used equipment, but hadn't gone full in on it yet. Mm-hmm. And then in, uh, and then in, in that uh, summer, I had a, uh, I had an incident where I was almost thrown out of a motel in Port Vaca, Texas, for urinating on their bed linens. Oh. And when I went to see a doctor, he said, "Mr. Ivy, if you don't if you don't do something about your health soon, you're not going to be around long." And he said, "I don't mean years, I mean months." Ooh. So at the end of the season. Yeah, so at the end of the season, I went home and I found a primary care doctor. Uh, I started uh, doing what, what she was advising me to do, which you know, was first to take a bunch of medicine to keep me around. Mm. Uh, she noticed that, uh, that I was the way I was breathing. She encouraged me to get uh, tested for sleep apnea. So I was diagnosed with apnea and put on a CPAP machine, and that really changed a lot of my attitude. It uh, gave me more energy and more curiosity and more passion because I was getting good sleep at night for the first time in years and years. Yes. Uh, at the same time I'm starting to get healthy, I went full on in on starting the business, and I filed for the w- domain name and started building the website for midwaymarketplace.com. Uh, a few years later, I would... End up having gastric surgery hmm. and getting healthier as far as my diet, exercise, and losing more weight, losing over half my body weight, actually. Yeah. So I was getting more physically and mentally healthy at the same time I was uh, starting to grow my business. And, you know, it was difficult doing a lot of those things by myself because I had to learn how to hand code HTML and recruit mm. clients and set fees and a lot of other stuff. So, wow. Uh, it was one of those things I, as when I admitted that being in the car business one was no longer healthy for me, and two was not somewhere I was welcome anymore, it wasn't who I was anymore. Mm. So many things changed for the better, and yeah. you know, and I, one of the things I feel an obligation to do is to be as honest about those times as I can with other people because I want to keep. The people that are listening from having to get to that point before they start mm. making some changes in their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of us end up having to wait until we hit rock bottom before we start changing. But you know, a lot of people only finally start that new business when they get laid off or fired. It mm. just seems to be the way we're built. Uh, the other thing is, I feel like if I don't share this part of my story, that people will think I'm uh, I'm different, that I'm unique, that I'm doing things they can't do. Hmm. You know, if, if if you didn't know all this about me, you might be tempted to think that I'm some sort of unicorn or superhero. <laughs> but I don't want people thinking that. I want people to think, you know, he did that. He came through all that junk. Uh, and he was able to get to where he is now. So why right. can't I do it? You know, that's what I want people to take away from Max's story. I I I struggle in that in that sweet spot between not thinking too much of myself and, hmm. you know, and not thinking too little of myself. Between right. And ego. I, I try to stay somewhere in between that, but it's, but I, I don't want people to, to get uh, discouraged because they see somebody like me and they only see the superficial aspects of what I'm doing now and not what I went through in order to get here. And, right. And that's where I think storytelling has its most power. Because people like sure. me and you and others, we can take advantage of the opportunity to be vulnerable for mm-hmm. the people see us at our best and our worst, and let them see how we manage to get to where we are now, with the understanding that this isn't the finished product for any of us.
0: Yes, exactly. I really like that. It reminds me a lot of sandpaper because, you know, it's it's roughs going through, but it creates something beautiful in the end. So so true it's it's a refining
1: process yes yeah and what most people don't know about sandpaper is there are different grains of sandpaper Mm. there's the heavier grains that you use for sanding off big chunks of paint or uh or varnish Mm -hmm. and then there's the much finer that you use to give it that smooth glossy finish when you're next near to being fruit
0: there you go that's that's a good insight too
1: yeah, yeah, I spent a lot of time sanding paint off of old carnival rides.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. And I like what you said in there, too, about trying to get people to that place before they arrive at it, or prevention rather than, you know, necessity. It, it kind of just sounded like a big turning point in your life. And that's neat that it just all switched for you.
1: I always I always figured that the hardest par- problem I would have would be changing how I thought about things. But the, the interest thing was is it it took me less time to accept it than it did my family because mm. my family they're like max you need to be on the midway you need to be working your your game and and trying to make money from it and i finally convinced them at the end of this one season i said look you're having to take money out of your food trailer to buy stock for my game because it isn't even grossing enough to replace its inventory does that make any sense? And they, they finally accepted. And of course, part of the reason they accepted was they went from traveling uh cross country to just traveling in East Texas. So they were they would be home some and gone some. It wasn't like, you know, when we did it as a carnival where you'd leave in February or March and pretty much not be back till October or November or maybe in Texas the first week of December. So uh they were around more plus. Uh they trusted our crazy dog Penny who has since passed away hmm. to help keep an eye on me. Um They would tell me to watch the dog, but I always felt like they were, they were, you know, kind of winking and telling the dog to watch Max, but, <laughs> uh, but I had to convince them to let me stay home and, and focus completely on building the business and helping people sell rides and trying to make that a profession, yeah, uh, a full-time profession. And uh, I think that that's, Something else I like to share because a lot of people out there, when they decide they want to do something new, something that their friends and family are not accustomed to them wanting to do, they don't usually have a lot of support right. or encouragement. Yeah, you know, Some of it is, you've never succeeded in anything, so why try? And some of it is, is uh, this isn't who you are. Uh, please go back to being the person that we are familiar with. <laughs> And so I, I like to let people know, you know, so I had to advocate for myself to use an expression in the disability community to the point that I was, was able to come home and not travel anymore and get to spend most of my time in air conditioning with decent internet and good coffee and a dog that was, um, was an amazing sidekick who I, I miss a lot. I feel like I know you mentioned earlier that you, uh, you have children that you're raising while you're also doing your podcast, which I am so impressed by, very mm-hmm. inspired by that. Thank you. Um, Penny used to be, she would show up at the, at the odd time. She had a knack of showing up and wanting my attention when I was in the middle of something that I mm-hmm. was really focused on doing. Oh, and, she would come around and she would go, come on, Max, you know that that spot that I can't reach, you need to scratch that like right now. <laughs> and for, the, for a while, she would annoy me and I'd get mad at her. And then I finally said, OK, there's nothing I can do about this. She is just a sweet, lovable dog who itches or who wants to go outside and chase squirrels. So I decided to accept it. And once yeah. I accepted, I realized that for that 10 or 15 minutes that I'm petting that dog, it was what I like to call modern meditation. So mm. it's like, okay, Penny is here to distract me, to let me clear my mind and not think about nothing, but, you know, but petting this dog and either appreciating the smell or, you know, crinkling my nose because she needs a bath, but just being in the moment and petting, doing something simple as simple as petting a dog for 10 or 15 minutes and then go back to work. And I, I'm honest enough with myself now to admit that those distractions made me a better person as far as the work I do online.
0: Yeah. Wow. And that's a great perspective. It's so true. That's totally relatable with kids because they're only going to be young right now. And, you know, they they do come first. And I just make sure that I get my podcast in there too, because that's something I enjoy. Yeah. So we
1: all have to have those those outlets, whether we plan on them being a business or whether we plan on being them being a passion project. And I firmly believe that um that there are still <clears throat> there are still other
0: parts parts of my story I have yet to explore.
1: Things yes. that I really don't know at this time what they're gonna be or where they're gonna come from, you know?
0: For sure. I feel like that's where I get so excited about life is just the possibility and seeing what could come. I just feel like I have such a zest for life that I would like to share pe- with people because, th- for some people, it just seems like they're living their life; they're just surviving. But there's just so much more.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. There are so many people who are, are just surviving, and I, I think it's interesting. We see more and more people every day who have just decided they're no longer interested in surviving, and they're they're mm. quitting their jobs. And who knows where they're going? But they're not working.
0: Right. Yes. And then what's one of your favorite inspirational quotes?
1: Uh, my favorite uh, inspirational quote is one that we have created here in my family and one that I share often. It's if, if you don't ask, they can't say yes. Mm-hmm. And it comes from the fact that back in the day when I was working with my family in our carnival, uh, we, I would have to do the, the cold calling to try to find people that would book our small seven ride show. Mm. And when I would get tired of it and not want to do it anymore, my dad would say, if you don't ask, they can't say yes. Now stop complaining and call the next number on your list there. Uh, there you go. We had to be very persistent and find people who basically couldn't get anybody better than us. But the, the interesting thing was, is the number of times during our time in the business where we would take our seven rides to an event that had 15 or 20 the previous year mm-hmm. and we would give them more money. Mm. Because yeah. when, my dad, when my dad said he was going to give you 25 percent, he meant he was going to give you 25 percent, not 25 percent,
0: of 25 percent, you
1: know, so we 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 live by a very ethical approach to our business, which is probably why we're no
0: longer in business. Mm, unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, it seems
1: like the ones who succeed in certain industries generally succeed by um by doing some things that they're that they would probably be ashamed of if
0: they ever had to right it's too bad people don't see it's too good to be true
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, there are so many people living for the short-term rewards and not really Mm. caring about what the eventual payment will will be for those short-term benefits yeah uh one of the things that people have been asking me is what are my goals for the podcast network the what's your excuse network Mm -hmm. And I look at it a couple of ways. One, I feel like it's going to give some of these people with disabilities a reason to get up in the morning. It's going to give Mm -hmm. them a passion project. Mm -hmm. And then some others, it's going to allow them to acquire marketable employment skills Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of employers now who realize the value of someone who either has a platform or who has the skills to create a platform. So, you know, adding to their skill set I think is, is going to be is going to be interesting. And then finally, some of them are going to be able to turn their podcast into a business. Yeah, that's true. There's not going to be a lot of them. And right. you know, there's no way to know how successful <laughs> any of them will be. Uh-huh. But you know that there is that possibility out there as as well. And then the other thing I feel like is if we can come together as a community where it's not just me or not just any one other person trying to grow an audience that we can build our audiences together. We can mm-hmm. grow them more quickly yes. and we can attract a sponsors more readily because we won't be just one person reaching out to them with, you know, this one set of numbers will be a, a community of podcasters who can go to them and say, you know, this is how many shows we have. This is how many people are listening. These are the downloads. This is the parts of the world we're being listened to and hopefully uh, let them understand that the combined disability communities represents a very large purchasing opportunity that they're missing and that they would have easy access to by advertising on a combination of podcasts on the network. So that's that's what I'm hoping for. And yes. we'll, we'll see if it all works out. So far, we have we have my show. What's your excuse? Mm-hmm. We have shredding for gold, which is hosted by a blind snowboarder from Vancouver, Canada, named Emily Trepanier, and mm-hmm. she is wanting to get the sport of downhill snowboarding for the blind recognized by the International Paralympic Committee. Wow! And then be the first gold medalist in blind downhill snowboarding. Mm-hmm. And uh so that's and then we have we have two podcasts that are going to be syndicated on the network that they've already been online for a while. Uh one is called Your Own Pay, hosted by Michael Babcock, and the other is called I Can't See You, mm-hmm. hosted by David Goldstein. And it's I I and then C-A-N-T and then C U. Mm-hmm. And he he focuses on a lot of the lighter sides of vision loss. And so um he's done he's done a few great episodes on on uh, board games and video games and just play in general as it applies to people with disability. so wow what, so you know we're, we're we're off to a a slow but positive start with the network and if and you know if if people if if you know somebody who you think might be a great host or mm-hmm. somebody that's been talking about it for a while and maybe complaining that they don't have they don't know how they would do it, but, but, and you, you know, they're using that as their excuse not to, then I hope you will tell them about the network and send yeah. them to my website. Um, for sure. You know, they, they can go to the blindblogger.net, which is where everything is, or they can go to wyexcuse.com, which is the home of the network itself.
0: Yeah. Sounds good. Well, thank you for giving me a window into that world. It's, it's so fascinating to hear what people are doing. And that's great wow. that you're helping those people.
1: Well, I appreciate it. I'm glad that you're interested. It's uh, it's not something that you that you hear all the time that people it's are interested. I, I sometimes worry that eventually people are going to get tired of hearing me talk or get tired of hearing me tell my stories, and then mm-hmm. where where will I be? So, <laughs> uh, but you know, we're talking about storytelling, and uh, you know, as a rule, podcasters have to be storytellers. Whether they're recording monologues of their own thoughts or doing interviews, you still yes. have to know where is the story in your guest.
0: For sure. Yes, I love it. Okay, well, thank you. I have to go take my son to preschool, but I really appreciate your time.
1: Oh, I really appreciate your time. Uh, This is amazing that you can do this with everything else going on. And just one last thing I like to make sure I tell any person who interviews me or has a conversation. Um, I started doing these over eight years ago because I didn't have a way to get out of my house and go meet people face to face. So Mm. without the opportunity to come on podcasts, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to share my story or build my brand as the blind blogger or as the what's your excuse guy. So I want to thank you for you being part of my journey and for you helping me continue to share my stories and encourage others to uh, to take risks in their own lives and overcome their excuses.
0: Yes. Well, thank you. If you'd like to pitch your story for the podcast, or if you want more storytelling strategies, contact me at jenbanks16 at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at jenbankscoaching.